Podcast where we dissect the patterns of success and failure for some of the top influencers, business leaders, and awesome entrepreneurs in the world today. Today we have Mr. Luis Garcia on Instagram at Law of Ambition. Thank you for joining us, brother. How are you? Good. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Can I curse? Can I not curse? Yeah, you, you can curse, man. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we don't we don't sweat any of that stuff. That's all that's all good stuff that we enjoy here and welcome here. And it's always great to have an unfiltered conversation. I think that's becoming more and more rare in the common day with everything, you know, with censorship, with social media, and we can dig into some of those things. But uh, what I'd like to maybe do is for the guests that are listening to the podcast that are not familiar with you and what you do, if you could do, you know, I call it the first date. Uh, 30 second, you know, life story. So that these guys can uh, know a little bit about you and you've accomplished some really phenomenal achievements in the time um, that I've known you. And uh, for your age, I, I think gonna be some great insight. So if you want to do that, you know, we just sat down over drinks and uh, let's rock it. All right. So uh, Louis Garcia from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I grew up in the hood, in the ghetto. I uh, learned how to translate a lot of the skill sets that I learned in the hood through drug dealing, through gambling, and everything else that I did inside school. And learned how to transition that into business later on after my military career. I served four years in the military. Uh, I was stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Did nine months in Afghanistan. I was in the infantry. Came home. While in Afghanistan, I started my social media marketing career. Started networking online and then meeting a bunch of cool mentors that then catapulted me into a marketing media agency. Now I have a media agency called Red Wolf. Uh, we handle marketing production and PR for Fortune 500 companies and other companies such as Lionsgate, Rolls Royce, Penske, so on and so forth. I love it, man. I love it. So your specialty from, from what I've seen, man, you're one of the best at this combination of networking sales. So it's kind of like you're very good at positioning yourself. Can you maybe talk about um, you know, what you've been able to accomplish with Red Bull and with some of the people that you have as far as your social circle? I think one of the big things with podcasts, it's like, okay, awesome, cool. We got, we got you know, another podcast and everybody's got plenty of options with podcasts, but I really want to hammer home for the listeners. Like, There's going to be a lot of really great nuggets and those are going to pertain, just so you guys know, not just to uh, branding and marketing and PR. I, th- I think we can touch on all of those things, but I'd like to kind of get from you a, like what, what are the big accomplishments for you that you feel like, oh man, I, c- like, I couldn't believe that I could do that. I accomplished it. And that was really wild and crazy. I learned how to essentially make money out of nothing. And I think that's a really powerful skill to have for anyone in the world. And I say it's nothing, but obviously there's a lot of backend work that goes into that. So for example, I was able to generate over a million dollars plus off of Instagram alone. How was I able to do that without a YouTube channel, without a huge audience base, so on and so forth? Well, I started by building up Instagram accounts and flipping them, which was my one of my initial ways to generate money, as well as creating content, growing an audience, and then selling that real estate on my Instagram account for X amount of dollars. So uh, I used to sell ad space for about 40000 a month. So I would have watch companies. I would have, and there's a lot of guys that you know as well, like the movement watches. Fit tees, obviously, so on and so forth. A lot of entrepreneurs got started off my page. Uh, Gary V still runs marketing campaigns off of my page. But for example, he'll say, hey, or his team will reach out and say, hey, we want X amount of posts or X amount of dollars on these three accounts. And then we'll go ahead and facilitate that deal. But a lot of people have a misconception where you need to spend money to make money. Well, if you don't have money, what do you have? You have a lot of time. So utilize that time, put in that sweat equity in order to establish that foundation in order to make money. And that's what I did. I found ways to make money in unconventional ways, ways that people didn't normally think about. But it's all the same basic principles, all the same skill sets. So I think that was a big thing. But utilizing a platform like that and making a million dollars is something people don't hear about every day. Yeah, that's, that's pretty epic, man. So, I mean, you've got Rolls Royce as a client. Over 1 million set off Instagram alone. That's pretty impressive. You know, you had the pleasure of working with Gary Vee. I know quite a few other people that you've had the pleasure of working with that I consider great mentors. So that should give, you know, the listeners a little bit of a backdrop as far as some of the things that we're going to be diving in. I think it's always important to establish that because, you know, advice is always good, but you always got to give credit to the source and evaluate the source. And I always do my best to bring in uh, verified, qualified sources and allow that knowledge to kind of channel and pass through like a river. 
to the listener. So uh, let, let's dig into some, uh, some specifics on what you mentioned. You've talked about being in the military and I really want to touch on that. One of the big things that we discuss quite frequently uh, on the podcast and with yourself is how to deal, I don't like the word cope, but how to, how to proactively handle uh, and tackle stress and pressure, you know, high intensity situations uh, when it comes to business. So can you maybe give a couple of pointers for things that you found to work for yourself and how you approach those things? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to apply the four laws of combat to any situation I'm dealing with. And the four laws of combat, one is cover and move, two is keep it simple, three is prioritize and execute, and four is decentralized command. So if I go through those, and this is a strategy that a Navy SEAL by the name of Joko Willing talks about a lot uh, in his life books and social media as well. Uh, his book is Extreme Ownership. The other book is Dichotomy of Leadership. You can also find by But these four laws of combat allow me to maneuver through any situation with the utmost confidence and be able to get onto the other side successfully. So cover and move, what does that mean? That means I need to set security. That mean, and what does security consist of? Security consists of multiple things. So if I have a nine-to-five job, what is that security? That paycheck every month is that security. That now allows me to have a food, water, security, and shelter for me and my family. Now that I have that established, what can I do next? Well, now that I have the security in place, I got to keep it simple. Okay, so what does my daily life look like? Okay, what am I doing the other hours out of the day? Well, the other hours out of the day, I'm improving on one of two things, self-development in my personal life, or I'm dealing with improving my happiness overall. And I think that's really important. So when people go through life, they forget about themselves. And what I mean by that is they forget about their true happiness. They forget about who they are as a person. And they forget that that overflows into their work life. And we kind of talked about this uh, recently where work-home balance is super important. And does that even exist? And how does that look when it does exist? So that's one thing. Moving on to the second thing, or the third thing would be prioritize and execute. What's most important on your hit list? What do you got to get accomplished that day? Uh, so if I'm looking at my day-to-day overall, my biggest thing is, well, what can I do to move my company forward and my business forward? And then what can I do to push my overall life happiness forward? And that starts with, well, what's most important? Is my business more important than my happiness? Am I willing to sacrifice that? What does that look like? So for me, happiness is at the top. Because if I'm not happy doing what I'm doing, what's the point? If I'm not happy running my business, if I'm not happy with my team, with my company, with my clients, um, and that's another big thing is being able to fire clients. And we'll talk about that a little later. But if I'm not happy with any of that, why do I do it? What's the point? I'm not going to be fulfilled. I'm going to be running around in a circle, kind of chasing my tail, trying to figure out how to get across the street. But all I have to do is put one foot in front of the other in that direction. Next one, centralized command. So this is understanding that everything does not have to operate through you. You need to be able to say, hey, here's my COO. They handle my operations. Here's my CMO. He handles marketing. Here's my CFO. He handles my finances. Uh, and being able to have a good team that you can delegate and decentralize the command to, I think is really important. Dealing with stress and dealing with, as an entrepreneur, we know you have to wear multiple hats when you're starting, right? You don't really have an entire team. You don't have a budget for a team. Uh, so you have to initially wear multiple hats. But being able to decentralize that over time and delegate to different people who they are experts at or who feels they're experts at, uh, I think that's really important. That then allows you to make less small decision-making throughout the day so you can execute on higher decision-making uh, plans, ideas, visions. And that allows you to move the ball forward a lot. But handling that and not even just your work life, but your home life as well, saying, hey, babe, I need help with this. And being able to be, uh, and being able to communicate that with your significant other, I think is really important as well. And that's also a sense of decentralizing command, where it's I need you to take care of me emotionally, and I'll take care of everything else physically, mm-hmm. or vice versa, or whatever the situation is that you guys agree upon. But that's what I do. I deal with the four laws of combat. I love it. So that kind of touches on on a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. It touches on harmony versus balance. Um, you know, prioritizing happiness. I love the quote, when people go through life, they forget about themselves. That's, that's, that's powerful, man. That's really deep, uh, deep insight. So let's, let's unpack a couple, a couple of these things. So you mentioned having the right people in the right positions, you know, do you do any sort of, um, you know, strengths finder, Myers-Briggs, do you do any sort of formalized testing on that? How do you, how do you evaluate, you know, position placement within your organization? Me personally, 
I feel as though I'm pretty good at picking up uh, characteristic traits and judge, I'm, I'm pretty good judging their character overall. Um, and that has to do with me being in the military and de dealing with different people at a rapid rate from different backgrounds, cultures, uh, religions, personalities, so on and so forth. Uh, so I typically like to handle the recruiting myself. Some people outsource to people, uh, but I like to typically handle it myself. And what I go through is based off of one character, two vibes. If the vibe isn't there, it's just not going to work. If the character traits don't align, it's not going to work. If their outlook is pessimistic, not optimistic, if they focus on problems over solutions, it's not going to work. Um, and then if they just don't have the work ethic that I'm looking for. And a big piece of this is, one, you, you kind of have to judge based off of the person, but the second part, people usually when I deal with people, they look at one of two things. They recruit people based off of character, or they recruit people based off of results. You need to do both. You need mm -hmm. to say, hey, this person's an amazing person, and I love working with this person. The energy, the chemistry, the vibe, everything's great. But where are their results? Or they say, you know what? This person has killer results. They're making this much, but I fucking hate working with them, and it sucks. But that's not going to be great for the overall company culture, and we know how that is. Once you have one negative thing in the company, it spreads negativity spreads like cancer inside of an organization. So that can destroy any successful organization really quickly. So you have to have a balance of both. You have to have someone that is really great, you vibe with, chemistry is there, smart individual, sharp but also has driven results already. We're trying to operate at this level. I mean, look, when you're starting entrepreneur and you're just trying to make things happen, you, you almost pick up whoever is willing to move the ball forward with you, regardless of the situation. But long-term, you always think long-term. Always think, what's the longevity of this person? Always think, what can I really accomplish? Uh, and a big thing that a mentor of mine taught me was the worst thing you can do is pick your friends to go into business with. And the reason why is because you might be one of those loyal people who are so loyal to people that regardless of results or not, or if they're working or not, you just want to give because that's the caring person you are. And not to say that their <clears throat> intent is malicious or they are intentionally wanting to take advantage of you or not being able to deliver on the results. They might, their intent might be there, but their ability to get out of their own way might not be there to drive the results that you need. So, be careful with um, who you bring into your circle. But yeah, back to closing this out. I think the biggest thing is being able to have the chemistry, but also have the results to back it. That's huge. That, that's, that, that's, that's a great approach because quite often, you know, we'll, we'll start as entrepreneurs and we're doing it on our own. And we're kind of just looking out for any outlet and any sort of help we can get. Right. And often the people that come into that circle are, you know, sometimes family members, friends, et cetera. And uh, they mean well, and often they mean too well. Uh, and then it's very difficult to remove people from an organization that have been there maybe for an extended period of time or some of the earlier hires um, if the results aren't following that. So I, I see that all the time. It's kind of like a differential between uh, a company being, uh, you know, a team versus a family, right? So, so a family environment, like you don't really kick people out of your family. Um, but a team, you know, if you're on the Lakers and somebody's not performing, um, well, then they might not be on the Lakers uh, by next season, et cetera, or they might get benched. So uh, I think that I think that's a, a great analogy. Uh, one thing I'd like to kind of circle back to. So you talked about a packaging value, right? This is kind of like how you were able to do, you know, a million dollars off Instagram alone. Um, so can you talk about maybe what is a way for the people listening to this podcast? They probably have a passion. They probably have something that you know, is at the core of their true essence for something they want to do with their lives. But there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of, you know, both fear of failure and of success. How do they go about taking that value that they, they have inside and packaging it and selling it? Well, depending on what they want to do, the first thing is having the confidence to do it and getting out of your own way. I see a lot of people who are extremely talented, who have tons of value, and they're not able to get out of their own way so that other people can see their value and appreciate it. Uh, and that comes from experience. And the only way you're gonna gain experience is if you put yourself out there. I think also small wins. Some people look for the big wins way too much and they don't allow the small wins to build up over time to gain that confidence that they need to put themselves out there that way. Uh, packaging up their value. I mean, you're looking at 
let's just say, for example, this person can cure cancer. That's huge, right? But how do you value that? How do you take that, package it up, and give it to someone? Well, it's the value is there. The result is there. Now, can I speak to this person and say, this is what I have. This is what I want to help with. Am I able to position that in a way that makes sense as well? How do I do that? How do I build the credibility to do that? How do I build the confidence to do that? Uh, so it's being able to speak intelligently on whatever the value is. That's step one. Step two is having the confidence to even speak on it. Some people might stumble along the whole thing and delivery is really important now. Or just in general, delivery is important. I can say the same thing twice in two different manners and two different tones and you will pick up two completely different uh, messages. I can say, wow, you're pretty, you're pretty. Or I can say, wow, you're pretty. And you're going to get two different messages from that. You're going to get, he's just trying to be nice or you're going to be, he's actually interested in genuinely she's pretty. Uh, Man, I'm, I'm so I'm so I'm so glad that you think I'm pretty, bro. This is this is this is this is, this is, this is, getting, this is getting good. This is getting good. Now we're going to Joe Rogan territory here. We're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to kind of upward spiral this um, this conversation. Uh, keep going, keep going. I thought that was, so, that was a good value, one. The compliment is there, and the compliment is the value. The value is, hey, I'm giving them her this compliment in order to you know make her feel good or let her know or communicate what I actually feel. But it's Again, confidence, having the confidence to do that. Don't always go after the home runs. Get on first base, get on second base, and work your way home. And then, I mean, uh, I think I answered the question. If not, I can always circle back. So uh, I want to unpack a little bit there and actually kind of evolve one of those things of, you know, the, the confidence, right? Confidence is one of those things. It's like you, we all know we got to have it. But um, I think I think you really hit on something great on, you know, focusing on small wins, small iterations, Um measurable progress in reasonable time, as I would put it, is, is great. And also don't second guess yourself, right? Because uh, the question at the end of the day is what's it worth? What is it worth to you to build the stream? And so, and so that's kind of a huge thing. Uh, I think for the listener is if, if it's worth enough, like you'll, you'll push through that resistance, you'll push through and, and you'll find that value, you'll package it. And you know, a lot of people I think experience sales resistance. You're one of those individuals where you have little to no sales resistance. I think that's pretty cool. And we can unpack that a little more, but before we do that, before we do that, so that definitely, that definitely tackles the question of like how to package value. It's kind of like, take that thing, go for it, put it out there and second guess yourself less, remove that filter of judgment that you have, wipe that away. It's, it's energy that you should be spending on scaling your company, on building better products, on, you know, optimizing funnels, on getting traffic. I mean, there's a, a long list of things that you need to be doing and second guessing yourself is not one of those things. So uh, thank you for, for breaking that down. Um, there's a question for you. So you mentioned prioritizing happiness and this is, this is one of those things that I see a lot of people actually kind of struggle with. So the, the way that I'll word this question is, do you feel that like the ability to prioritize happiness is a right or a privilege when you're an entrepreneur, AKA in the starting points, are there, you know, are there moments where you're doing something that, you know, I don't like to use the word, you dread, but maybe that you don't enjoy as much and are actually sacrificing some happiness. And as us, you know, it's kind of, you know, you, you got to push through that. So uh, does it become a privilege at some point or is it a right that, you know, you, everyone should have? Like, how do you kind of approach that? I always fucking go through things. <laughs> and this yeah. is for every entrepreneur out there. I mean, it doesn't matter what level of entrepreneurship you're at. You're always going to go through one or two things that you just fucking dread, whether it's something tedious or something you just don't feel like you're good at or you don't enjoy doing. Um, there's always something. So, for example, I hate details. I hate going over details and mapping out everything to the T. I've learned in the military to have a general plan because Murphy's Law, right? Anything that can happen will happen. So any plan I have is never going to be bulletproof. So what I like to do in order to keep me from what it what do they call it analysis paralysis is just jump straight in, right? And because once you jump in, I mean you only have to do that once. You only have to jump once. Once you jump, I mean it, it's it's all downhill from there. But you just have to jump. And because of that, there's going to be things again. Like I said, you're just gonna dread and hate. But once you jump and you get to the other side, it's like it becomes less and less of a annoyance it becomes less and less of a fear when you're able to just get used to jumping and jumping into things um, so as a CEO and founder 
uh, or just entrepreneur, I hate details. So I hire people for details. But before I could hire people for details, I had to sit on my computer for hours, hours out of every day, whenever I had a chance, just to go over those details. Um, and it sucked, but as an entrepreneur, like you mentioned earlier, you have to sacrifice your happiness in order to gain your long-term happiness. This is where instant gratification and delayed gratification play a major part. It's understanding that just because I'm not happy in this moment doesn't mean it's not going to help my overall happiness. So you have to keep that vision in mind that this is going to contribute to that overall happiness that I'm looking for. And I might have to sacrifice this. I might have to take this one hit right now. I may have to lose this little battle or just fight this battle that I don't really want to, but that's going to give me the foothold that I need to win the overall war. So I love that, man. And then now we're like, we're, we're God, on fire. We're talking strategy. We're talking positioning. We're talking, you know, movement. Uh, th- this is the stuff that, that gets me really fired up. Uh, so let, let, let's, let's, keep, let's keep going down the thread because I think this is so important for people to understand. So, so that, that happiness component, right? There's a point where you make a stand for it. There's a point where you go, no, I, like this is the point of happiness for me. I'm, I'm taking a stand. I'm, I'm not sacrificing this particular position uh, for anything. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of uh, sales tactics. There's no amount of repositioning, reframing. That really, it's, you know, it's called uh, having moral, you know, a moral backbone is the way that I put it. Um, just standing for something, standing for it very strong. Uh, now, uh, how do you go about uh, evaluating situations that detract from your happiness? Because, you know, you mentioned like having the ability to hire fire clients. Uh, so how do you go about uh, a, the evaluation process and then B the communication process, both within your team and to the client to where, you know, cause sometimes uh, a troubled client um, or, you know, a client, maybe this is just not a good fit could be, you know, their, their business partner might be a good fit or, you know, people within their network might be a good fit. So how do you go about that where expectations are set appropriately? So number one is how do you evaluate if something's detracting from your happiness? And then um, two is how do you go about taking actionable steps about that? Well, one, uh, when I'm looking at my happiness level, well, I have to first say, is this a part of my big picture play? And I still do that as an entrepreneur, right? Again, that instant gratification versus delayed gratification. Is this just a small battle that I need a foothold in? Or is this me moving a piece for the overall war that I, I this is going to be the, the end all be all? Uh, and then it's, okay, well, how much does this roll into my personal happiness, my personal life? I feel like you have two different things, right? You have your business life and your business is overall health and happiness, making sure your employees are happy, but making sure you're delivering results for your clients. And you have your own personal life where it's, are my kids happy? Am I happy? Is my love life happy? And how does this play in part with what I'm doing? So if I have a client where I'm constantly stressed and my team's delivering results and we're hitting all KPIs, we're hitting all deliverables and they're just pushing and pushing and pushing and they're expecting a lot more. I think one, my first thing is, well, what have I done to position us that way? Hmm. Have I managed this relationship properly? Have I clearly communicated, has my team clearly communicated our KPIs, our deliverables? Are we actually driving the result they're looking for? Or are they looking for another result, but we believed it was something else because of lack of communication somewhere or miscommunication? Uh, but once I've checked all those boxes, once I figured out, okay, let me look inside within myself, my organization, my company, my employees to make sure we're doing everything possible on our part, then I have to look at the client and say, okay, well, can we communicate better? Is there something I'm missing? Once we've done that, right, there's a thing called mentor and fire. I mentor them. I mentor my employees on how we approach a situation like that. I make sure we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. And as long as we're actually on track, we're actually delivering results, we're meeting all expectations that we both have communicated, agreed upon. Then at that point, I have to make the decision whether I'm going to fire the client or I need to make a change within my organization. Because before you can just say any client's not a good fit, you have to first figure out, is this actually feedback that's going to improve my organization? Is this actually something of value that I, or something I'm missing or looking over or kink in my armor that I need to reevaluate and fix? Once I've checked all those boxes, then I go and say, okay, it might be time to let go of this client. This client might not be for our organization. And that goes with communicating with the client again, making sure they understand exactly what we're delivering, making sure we're on the same page, 
figuring out where their frustrations are, and then figuring out is there a place where we can compromise and and work together still, or is this just something that is not for us, right? I make hot dogs, I don't make cupcakes. Are you looking for a cupcake? I can make you a cupcake hot dog, but I can't make you a cupcake. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, is this outside of our wheelhouse? And then uh, is this something I want to bring into our wheelhouse? No? Okay, great. Well, then I'm sorry. This is what we can do. This is what our company does. We would love to try to fix this in any way possible to make sure we're on the same page. But if we cannot, no harm, no foul. We will make sure that you're taken care of. And depending on the situation, we may just refund the client and say, we miscommunicated. We thought we were on the same page. No worries. Shake hands part ways. If the client is still frustrated and says, no, 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 I want to make this work. You as a business owner have one or two choices. You have to say, am I going to bring this into my wheelhouse? And is it worth bringing into my wheelhouse? Am I going to make an exception for this client? Because it's not always black and white. I might have to do, my company might have to fly to Germany and spend a week there just to get into this client's business to understand it a little bit more. But do we fly people out? Is that such a big thing? Is that such a big problem? No, not really. I can make this small expense and then for the overall long-term of the client, it makes sense. Or does this client just want me to bring in uh, PR events or not even just PR events, but let me bring in something else. Does this client want me to hand build a machine for them when we have no idea how to hand build machines? That's not what we do. I'm not going to look to hire a professional to hand build a machine for this client. Well, then mm -hmm. we have our ways and hopefully, you know, everything works out well. If you need anything else, contact us, let us know. I love it. So there's again, a lot to go through, but the, the big, the big thing there is like, like stay in your lane, be, be confident enough in your lane, comfortable enough in your lane and skilled and proficient enough uh, to be good and don't be swayed by, you know, secondary benefits to switch your lane. I, I, I think that's, that's a huge takeaway from that is know what you're good at, stick to that. And yeah, if there's some other areas you want to explore, you know, keep that, keep that in mind that that, that is a, a case of exploration. You are, you're not, you know, you're not building a city, you're exploring. Those are two very different activities that you have to keep in mind. And one thing I see a lot of people and myself, I've been trapped in this trap before, um, and I, I kind of, I, got, I kind of go in and out of it, right? Because I'm a, you know, I'm an empath. I aim, I aim to please. Like I very offer value, offer value, offer value, offer value to where I almost do it too much. Uh, where you find yourself with clients that you, you want the best for them, and you're you're pushing yourself to the limit. And what that does is that erodes that boundary that you were talking about between the personal and the business. And uh, I think that's the next topic that would be fascinating to get your input on because there's there's really several schools of thought here, right? One school of thought says, look, you leave your, all your personal stuff at home. And you know, you, when you come into work, you just come to work. Right. And, and then there's the second thought, which is like wear your heart on the, your sleeve and use that passion to drive your business. And, um, and then there's kind of schools in between as well. I'd like to get your feedback on that. How do you approach it? Well, uh, I'm happy that you say that. And I love just to hit on it real quick. I love how you're able to condense everything I say in a really short impact way. Uh, because I don't always know how to explain everything in that manner. And I love that you completely understand what I'm saying and you're able to articulate that back that way for your listeners. That's, that's really amazing as a host. Um, but going into this, how do I approach it that way? <laughs> so I believe that your home as an entrepreneur, your home and your work balance is one and the same. I don't think that you can really separate the two fully. I don't think there's a 100% separation. I think you might be able to balance it in a 60, 40, 70, 30 kind of manner, but your home life, because you're human, will affect your business life. Your business life, because you're an entrepreneur, will affect your home life. For example, if I am, and I know many entrepreneurs deal with this, uh, who are billion dollar companies, multi-million dollar companies, and startup entrepreneurs, uh, how do I deal with, and just, I'll use myself as an example, uh, how do I deal with my wife and giving her quality, her time when we are at home versus me spending time at home working on my business? Because as an entrepreneur, we do this constantly. We're constantly at home. We're on our phone. We're on our computer. We're on the phone with clients. We're on the phone doing a podcast. And we're trying to figure out what is the best approach to deal with that while she might be cooking, cleaning, hanging out school, working on her business, uh, or just wanting that one-on-one -on -one time and attention from me. 
maybe she just wants to sit down and have dinner versus you being on your phone at dinner. And it's, we don't think about it. We don't realize it because we're so passionate on pushing the business forward that we're just like, she understands, she understands, she understands. Well, even if she does understand, she's going to get burnt out. We're going to get burnt out. She's going to get burnt out. That's a very common thing that happens in entrepreneurial relationship. Um, so how do we handle this? Well, it goes back to communication, making sure that you and your partner are both on the same page. You fully understand why you're doing what you're doing, your vision's in line. It's home culture. So you have company culture where you and your employees understand the vision. Everyone knows what we're doing. Everyone knows their job, where we're headed. Everyone's happy with the vision. They believe in the company. They believe in our standards and morals, so on and so forth. Well, do you have that in your home? You're working on it every day to build it in your business, but do you have that at home? Is your wife on the same page? Is your husband on the same page? What's really going on behind the scenes? And how can we get to a place where we're both on the same page? Now, this doesn't mean your, your wife has to work in your business. This doesn't mean she doesn't have to. What it means is whatever agreement you guys come to that you're both happy with, you need to figure out how to get there. You need to communicate in order to get there. You need to make sure you're on the same page. If you are not on the same page, you will be miserable sooner or later. Either you're going to be miserable or your wife's going to be miserable or your significant other is going to be miserable. And just kind of balancing that and saying, okay, well, my work company culture is fine. My home company culture is fine. Now I can do the two. Now I know Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays is wife time. It's not be at home on my phone during dinner time. It's, hey, babe, how was your day? What's going on? How's this going? What did you learn? What can I help with? And how can we grow together? And maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday is just work. And maybe Sunday is just me. So it's just finding out that balance. And that balance is only going to come when you communicate because some people have different tolerances. You might have a wife that just needs one day out of the week. You might have a husband that just wants 10 minutes out of the day to just say, hey, you look good today. Or, hey, I'm proud of you for this. You know what I mean? Having that support system is really important. You're only going to get that support system, which is the next thing, by having clear communication and being on the same page. No one can support something they can't see. Oh, that's a good quote. I love so that. How can I, and I'll, I'll use a military example for this, when we're, let's say, raiding a compound or taking over a position, you have your support and you have your assault. Support supports the assault's movement. Now, the assault is flanking either left, right, or maneuvering on the enemy. Assault is on the move and is needing the support to cover and conceal their, their position and their fire. But usually we use the line for concealment, but for this situation, the assault fires onto the enemy to distract the enemy while the assault, or the support fires on the enemy to distract on the enemy while the assault maneuvers. If I'm the assault in my household, I need my support to keep everything else in line, keep their heads down while I maneuver through my life and make things happen for us. But if the support does not know where the assault is, you might fire upon the assault. Now we have friendly fire. In your home, you might bump heads with your wife because she doesn't know how to support you. You might bump heads with your husband because you're not communicating them with them clearly of what your position is and what you're trying to accomplish. And they are not able to support you, so you might start bumping heads because they might get frustrated. They might start firing upon your direction. And things, it's just chaos. It becomes chaos. Dang, I could, I could, I could just see your wife get with, with the 12-gauge, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith style running, th running through your house, you know. <laughs> you get you, 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 in the bathroom taking a shower and she thinks I'm, you know. Hey, you, got, you, you gotta do what you gotta do. I, lo I love it. I, I think this really t ties back to a quote you had of, of like, get out of your own way, right? I, I think so often the, the ego kind of jumps in and says, no, no, I want things this way. That relationship in your personal life, if, if you're in a relationship with a significant other or, or family members, what have you, um, you know, to be able to make those compromises and concede ground when necessary. Uh, I think is very important, but also in your business to say, look, this is my vision for the organization, but I'm also going to include the visions of my employees for that organization as well, right? Of my chief executives, of, of other people that are contributors so that the company culture can evolve. I, I believe, you know, c a culture 
evolves from an ecosystem, right? An ecosystem doesn't exist in isolation. Uh, that doesn't, you know, a company doesn't just exist because of a single individual. It becomes what it is due to a positive synergy of multiple individuals and their respective skills, their respective personalities. And that's what truly makes organizations great. And it's really a fascinating scientific use case and team building once you observe that from, a, from almost a biological standpoint of, see, of viewing it as its own little microcosm and uh, seeing all the interactions. Uh, you, you touched a little bit on, on time and dedicating time and delegating time. Uh, what are some things that you do to be more productive? Um, so there's this thing I have that I try to implement it as much as I can where I call it my three. So what are three things that I'm going to do today no matter what? I don't care if God or whoever comes down and knocks on my door and says, hey, bro, we got to go. I need to get those three things done. Hold on, God, give me a second. I got to get my three done. So it's almost to that level of like extreme focus to get those three things accomplished. It's the three things that are going to move my business or my life forward the most today. What can I do? Hmm. Obviously, I try to plan. I try to say, and again, I like news plans. If you see behind me, I have like a little weekly calendar of what I'm going to do this week, who I need to call, what I need to set up. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's three things on every day, three of the biggest things that I need to do every day. Uh, and then within that are just my daily standard things. Like, obviously, I need to get up, go to work, walk the dog, do whatever I got to do, uh, lead gen. I need to, you know, run these campaigns or whatever. Those are the bare minimum. That's the standard. Now, what are three things on top of that standard that I need to do to push the ball forward? High impact areas. I try to first prioritize by low effort, high impact, and then go from there. It's just depending on the situation. There's mm -hmm. always a lot of gray areas, right? Because you might have something that's high effort, high impact, but you had to get it done because of time. So it might be time sensitive. But that's how I sort of approach my day-to-day -day, um, as far as calendar goes. But I, what else I do to be more productive is I try to focus there, low effort, high impact areas. This is low-hanging fruit that's going to take us a, little, a lot further. Why wait seven miles to get the fruit at the top of the tree? Why wait seven miles to get the low-hanging fruit seven miles away when I have a perfectly good tree right here with a perfectly good fruit that's going to last me those seven miles as well? That's so, solid, man. Uh, do you have a morning routine that you follow? Uh, my morning routine, I mean, I normally still wake up at 4 or 5 in the morning, and depending on what I have going on, I'll either stay in bed and try to get another hour or two of sleep, or, uh, because we're human, right? I mean, you don't have to be a robot every day and just completely wake up at 4 a.m. I used to be a robot. I used to wake up at 4 a.m. I used to work out at 5 a.m. Formation 545, 6 a.m. workout, uh, 8 a.m. breakfast. And I lived that lifestyle. And although we got a lot accomplished throughout the day and it stood a lot of discipline, I now have the luxury to kind of be a little bit more lenient with myself and all my body and so on and so forth. Um, and kind of enjoy my process a little bit more. And if enjoying it means I'm in bed one more hour, I'm in bed one more hour. Yeah, as long as I don't have anything that, that conflicts with. But my morning routine typically is me waking up, checking my phone for emails or anything else after I've laid there and like kind of decompress, relax, I'm awake. Check my phone, make sure everything's okay. Because my type of business, I have clients around the world. So while I'm sleeping, my clients might have fires going on at eight in the morning, their time. And then obviously eat, and then go about my day and start attacking my three, making sure my team's fine, making sure everyone's alive, everyone's good, and then attacking my three things that I do throughout that day. That's just really simple, and I try to keep it as simple as possible. I dig it. I love it. So one thing that you broke down really well during the the client section was was that one, two, three step process, right? Of like managing the relationship appropriately, maintaining clarity of communication, uh, driving results, and ironically enough. The, as a self-exploration session, it seems like you kind of do that for yourself, right? You manage your relationship with yourself. You ask yourself, like, am I being honest? Uh, am I setting the proper priorities? And then, and then you focus on the top three results. You drive results for yourself and then you get feedback. Uh, and that, that, that kind of brings me to the next question of, you know, organizational feedback. What are, what are some things that you've seen work well for uh, driving feedback within your organization? And I'll kind of just uh, elaborate a little bit more. One thing that, that I see quite frequently is, you know, when you have a, a subordinate structure or, or any sort of non-flat organization, people are often very afraid to, to pass things up the chain that might be critical or perceived as critical in any capacity. And as a result of that, often great ideas get left on the table or underneath the table or swept under the rug that could have actually impacted the company and made the company you know, impacted the bottom line, improved organizational efficiency, I mean, name. So um, are there any strategies that you use within your team to, as you would call it, make it safe uh, to give feedback or just do, do you have, um, do you have an organizational feedback process uh, that you utilize? Yeah, absolutely. So I have two things. 
One, I try to encourage leadership as much as possible in all ranks, whether you're at the bottom of the totem pole or you're at the top of the totem pole, everyone's a leader in the organization, which means everyone has a voice. Everyone's voice is appreciated and everyone's voice is uh, able to be voiced um, and listened to and taken into consideration. The second thing is accountability. So I think throughout the entire organization, you have a responsibility to push the organization forward if you believe in the organization. And if you're on our team, then I know that you believe in our organization. So it's your responsibility to do the best that you can for not only the organization, but for yourself, because no one wants to be a part of a sinking ship, right? So if you don't want to be a part of a sinking ship, and you're on this boat, we're all rowing this boat together, right? So yeah. if we're not rowing the boat, and I don't empower you to become that leader to row the boat, and I don't give you the tools and resources you need to do that, then I'm failing you as a leader. Got it. That's, That's huge, man. The, you know, that, I mean, that touches on, you know, the extreme ownership concept, really owning every aspect of your business and owning failures that maybe you didn't even contribute to directly. Uh, I think that's always a really tough um, first river to cross for entrepreneurs when uh, you, know, you, you bring staff on, you scale, and then somebody makes a mistake and you realize that as you know, the founder, as the CEO, as the department head, as the executive, what, what have you, as the leader in that position, you actually have to own other people's mistakes as well, which puts uh, a far higher reaching and a widespread sense of accountability on every project that you take on and every a team member and actually puts a lot more pressure on the standard that you have to impose onto yourself. And um, that's, that's one of the things that I've always looked up to you for is, is you've had a, a great way of, of holding yourself to a certain standard, setting a standard and holding yourself to it and um, being very kind of unapologetic uh, about it. So uh, that's just like a, a little personal comment there. Uh, one, one thing maybe if we, if we want to unpack, so we, we've talked about a lot of really cool stuff, really great stuff. What's the biggest failure that you've had that you were able to turn around? Like what's something that, that hit you that you were like, man, oof. This is, this is tough that then, you know, blessing in disguise, that kind of moment. So man, I, I've had tons of failures, tons of big failures, and I'm happy that I've had them. There were some of the greatest lessons I've learned. So one of the biggest things, I tried to scale too quickly without building out my infrastructure, policies, procedures, SOPs, uh, and everything else I needed. I was so confident, I was overly confident in myself to be able to handle and fix things that... I said, you know what, uh, worst case, I can handle it if, if this went wrong or if this went wrong. Uh, but I didn't anticipate everything going wrong and crashing. So that was my failure as a leader. And just over overcompensating staff, and not to say that people don't deserve things, but the company can't afford things. And understanding where loyalty and business lie and where, again, friendship and business is. So, so, so maybe j just unpack that with obviously, you know, when, there, when there's other people involved, can you be a little bit more, you know, specific as far as the things that you can disclose? Because I think it's, it's, it's important for people, you know, the conversation that you and I had recently, right? Some things when they're broken down with specificity and are visual, I think, I think connect in such a deep level. And that's one of those things where, you know, you can understand like, okay, yeah, I took on too much, but you know, like what happened, like what happened there for you? So in that example specifically let's just say one of my assistant a marketer who would get paid an average of $25 an hour in a typical job you know, nationwide average standard would be $25,000 I because of my friendship because of my loyalty because of my emotional side of me would say you know what I wouldn't want to do that job for $25 an hour and I value you as a person so here's $75 an hour. That was, you know, something that I didn't consider in my finances. Maybe I should just do that. And if they don't want it, they don't want it. But I wanted people that, who were important to me to become a part of my organization so much because I wanted to help them and also be that good friend that I was willing to set myself on fire to keep them warm. And that's a my side for not being able to distinguish the two and taking on that responsibility. But even further than that, just me not being more involved in the business and trying to work on the business uh, was also another thing. And then becoming more reactive than proactive at a point, because again, we're human, we're all entrepreneurs, right? We're all gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna, you know, not be perfect and not have like a perfect month where this whole month was just fucked up. And it was only fucked up because 
I let my emotions get the best of me, maybe, or I allow things to go on a little longer than I should have, or I didn't take ownership. Because as much as I preach on leadership and ownership, I am still human, so I'm still going to have moments where I don't take ownership. This is a really important thing for entrepreneurs to understand and to people in general, that best perfect situation is that you strive for it, is that you constantly try to improve and, and take ownership, that you constantly try to push for better, push for more. That's the perfect scenario. I love it. I love it. That, that's deep stuff, man. There's, there's there's a lot we can go into. Let's talk about that burnout and resiliency thing. You know, it, it, we, we might as well tackle it. We tackle that a lot. And uh, the fact that it's a topic that comes up again and again and again, you know, I've, I'm working on building a whole community around tackling that in addition to some other things because I'm just seeing such a recurring pattern of entrepreneurs coming into the space, highly intelligent, highly competent, driven, you know, sacrificing weekends, personal days, birthdays, family events, um, you name it in order to try and build these great companies to realize this great vision. And the majority of them not doing it for the money, the money would be like kind of nice if it just worked and having a really hard time with that. And part of that's like a lack of a support system, a lack of, you know, we've discussed these things in depth, but as far as it relates to, to burnout, right? And we're specifically entrepreneurial burnout. You know, what, what's something that you can give as a word of advice to somebody who, you know, it's, is just like not quite where like, it's never quite there, right? That we're always, you know, we're always type A, we're always pushing, we're always trying to accomplish more and more and more. What's maybe a word of wisdom that you could impart to somebody listening who, who could really use uh, a helping hand in that position? So the biggest thing is, again, and I, I go back to the four laws of combat, cover and move, secure yourself, make sure you're okay. You use four laws of combat in any aspect of your life. Secure yourself, make sure you're okay. Keep your day-to-day life simple. Don't overcomplicate it. There's no need to overcomplicate it. People think success is this crazy, complicated formula that you need to come up with, that people are holding secret, the magic pill or magic bean. It's not. It's being able to keep it simple and make big, effective decisions throughout your day instead of a ton of small and effective small decisions throughout your day. Um, the difference between billionaires I know, millionaires I know, and people who work for 50K a year is what they focus on. It's being able to focus in the right areas, being able to focus on more effective things, and also looking towards solutions, not just the problem. Uh, there's problems everywhere. Mm-hmm. Big thing that I have in my organization is don't bring me a problem without three solutions. <laughs> and I think that creates a good habit of them to look for solutions before even coming to. That's a great. That's a great um, word of advice, and that that applies for your own life too. If 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 you're sitting there as a listener and you're going over a problem in your mind over and over and over, like this is wrong, this is wrong. Well, instead of Focusing on that, you know, just make a list, like take out a piece of paper, take out a whiteboard, come up, come just put solutions, put hypotheticals, and then uh, look at that and go, you know, this, this is now real. Once, once you put it out in the world, I think our own imagination kind of gets the, the better of us, right? We're, we're so creative, we're passionate, like we've got all these great qualities and uh, it's, it's like having a very powerful bazooka or something, right? If it's pointed in the wrong direction, uh, that becomes really destructive. Uh, whereas if it's pointed, you know, as a rocket, you can go and explore new territory and, and make amazing impact in the world. And I think entrepreneurs, that's one of the biggest things that I observe is that we're, we're so, so at the mercy of our own psychology. And that's why every entrepreneur is you know, into self-development, NLP, success rewiring blueprints, because there's a point where we realize if our own psychology is going to fail us, right? It's, it's, it's uh, the military term is we, we don't rise to the level of expectation. We fall to the level of our training. I absolutely love that. Again, we don't rise to the level of our expectation. We fall to the level of our training. Huge. Because we all have this vision of ourselves being these, these great entrepreneurs making an impact. And yet uh, when things don't line up, what happens is we turn that bazooka back on ourselves. Uh, we, we start to go into self-attack, self-doubt, anxiety, you know, depression, suicidal thoughts. These are all things that, that I fought with that I've been very transparent about. And um, a lot of my dear friends that I greatly respect and look up to people that are industry leaders have also fought with. What's, what's tough on that is when you're in a position of strength, right? It's very difficult to display any sort of weakness. When you have you know, staff that look up to you, when you have clients that depend on you, when you have a significant other that needs you to be a strong bedrock, 
you know, brings up questions of like, where, where do you turn in moments of weakness? Because there hasn't really been a formulaic approach to this that I've seen, at least that I've found of what is a formulaic approach when you, when you experience that moment and you're in that position to be able to say, wait a minute, hold on, stuffing this, the mask thing, it's not working anymore. Okay. Like we've all tried that. That doesn't work because what you suppress resurfaces as something else. You might suppress anxiety, it resurfaces as anger. You might suppress sadness, it resurfaces as, you know, depression. Um, and uh, that's very tough, right? So it's kind of like trying to push a, push a beach ball down in the water. Like it's always going to come back up. So we found that that doesn't work. Um, professional therapy, I think, is a good outlet. But, you know, this being a topic that like, is just not talked about enough, I truly believe. Uh, m- my question for you is going to be kind of, kind of subtle here. So rather than saying, you know, what do you do when you go through hard times? I'm, I'm going to say, how much do you reference your inner child? And uh, this is all going to kind of tie together, but uh, that's, a, that's, that's the question is how much do you reference your inner child? Say you're in a board meeting or say you're with a client or say you're by yourself. Like what are the situations when you kind of go back into that space? When I'm just looking for happiness. As a child, a child is the purest form of happiness right stress-free there's no bills there's no chaos it's just like so when i look for that inner child outside of like movies business i mean i guess relationships i guess raising my children uh, and just looking for fulfillment people uh and i hope i'm understanding this correctly yeah yeah people constantly come to me dm me every day asking what can they do to find their passion? How can they live a more fulfilled life? They make hundreds of thousands a year, millions of years, but they're still unhappy. They don't know what to do. And it's going back to that child. What does that child want? What would that child do? What would they look for? And it's just exploring yourself, exploring the world, self-awareness is clarity. The only way you're going to gain clarity and self-awareness is, this is what I tell people, and this is something that your listeners can really do and uh, take action on right after this it's you have to have a conversation with yourself and I don't know what form of religion you believe in uh, or what you believe in but when you're praying for example you're sitting down and you're speaking to yourself in your head almost you look at the act of prayer like, well you can pray to your form of God or whatever your religion is or you can also sit down and some people meditate and do this you can sit down and just have a conversation with yourself. When you meditate, you empty your mind, right? You try to focus on your breathing, that's one thing. Uh, when you're trying to gain self-awareness, it's almost the same step. Instead of after you empty your mind, you ask yourself what you want. Say, well, who am I? You have to have a raw, honest, true, vulnerable, transparent conversation with yourself. Because some people fight themselves. Some people say, you know what? I'm not really that bad of a guy, although I stabbed this person. I'm not really, right? And that's a little extreme, but people do that. And you say, well, you know what? It could be worse. I could have done worse. You try to justify it. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that, sit down and really have an honest conversation with yourself. Could I have done this better for him? Could I have done this better for my wife, for myself? Who am I? What do I really want? And just sit there for an hour or two. Try to do it once a day, 30 minutes a day, 10 minutes. I know it's a little difficult, just like meditating. You can't sit still for five minutes out the day and just focus on your breathing, right? It takes time, it takes practice. So when you're done this podcast, sit down and try to practice self-awareness, finding yourself, figuring out who you are. And you can't speak to someone about it. You have to speak to yourself. And when you speak to yourself, you have to be raw, transparent, and vulnerable because only you can judge yourself in the situation. So That's amazing. Yeah, that, that really ties back, right? It's like focus on what's in front of you, focus on the now, focus on this present moment and dig into where you are right now here together with us. And that's, that's extremely powerful because that really ties back into both of those things, right? How to, how to embrace that inner child because the amazing thing with kids is they're not worried about anything except for what's right there in front of them. And uh, that's just so powerful. And uh, that's really, truly the best way if, if you're dealing with burnout, if you're dealing with, anxiety, depression, if there's just too many tasks, there's too many KPIs, there's too too much stuff to do. Just focus on what's in, like life is a beautiful thing. I think I think we forget that how how beautiful and amazing and lucky we are to be here and expressing that gratitude 
One, uh, one concept I want to unpack a little bit more. You mentioned that people reference you for fulfillment. And this is something that we're going to be unpacking further in, in some other um, elements as well. This idea of fulfillment versus achievement. So I think a lot of people make this mistake, especially now that there's influencers, every, everyone's an influencer. So a lot of people are trying to reference other people for fulfillment. And that in and of itself ties back to exactly what you said, right? You're not going to be able to have a conversation with somebody else who's going to be able to tell you what's going to make you feel fulfilled, but they get confused. They confuse achievement with fulfillment, right? So for, for yourself, for you to be fulfilled, you accomplish certain things, AKA you have a certain list of achievements that you've developed. Those achievements then magnetically attract people to you. And as a result, they always kind of try and assume that their fulfillment is somehow going to be completed with your list of achievements, right? Those same achievements, it could be the house, the car, the business, whatever those things are. Now, I think referencing for achievement is phenomenal. You should get mentors 100%. You should look at what people are doing, try and replicate that 100%. You should, um, you know, don't try and reinvent the wheel there. But to kind of bring this full circle, if you really want to snap out of it, number one, ask yourself if you're referencing externally for fulfillment. If you are, that's the problem. You're trying to find fulfillment outside of yourself and you're trying to stuff it in your body and you know, your, your, your body doesn't want it. It doesn't need it because the fulfillment's right there. It's been there all along. And then focus on what's in front of you and be transparent and raw and honest with yourself. And that's how uh, you're going to break out of it. So as a quick, like aside here, so, you know, we can run for a lot longer. What I'd like to do is do a second session with you in the future. And, and specifically because there's a lot of specific topics I wanted to touch on. For example, how to cultivate discipline, practical things like how to juggle, you know, multiple time zone, juggle, juggle clients, like team dynamics, how to construct SOPs, I think would be huge systems. Uh, and the one question that we can answer on that second podcast would be, you know, what, what is the true difference between a $25 an hour marketer and a $75 an hour marketer? What, what, it, what are some of those components that make that work? And then, you know, how to cultivate emotional intelligence, etc. So there are so many topics that, we can continue unpacking. What I want to do is you know, for the listeners, if you guys want a second session, make sure, make sure you thumbs up the podcast, vote, comment, and say like, bring Lewis back. Uh, but before we go into all of that, I'd like to do a shameless plug, man. What's the thing that's, you know, that's scratching your itch right now. What's the thing that people have to check out? It could be, you know, your own brand. In fact, I prefer it. Like how can, how can people contribute back to you? How can people give back to your cause? So, I mean, obviously you can become a part of our community on my page at Law of Ambition on Instagram. It's kind of where I spend most of my time uh, on social media. You can also follow along on our journey through entrepreneurship and building up a a business with at Redwood and ENT. And just kind of see what we do on a day-to-day, see how our team plays with each other, see how our clients work with what type of work we do with our clients, production, marketing, PR. We try to have fun that's as best as we can in our own ways and bring up other people with us. So, man, you're trying to have fun, man. Given the tone of this conversation, that's a bomb to drop at the very end. Like, oh, well, by the way, you know, as you've gotten, once you've gotten over everything, like, go have fun. But that's so true. Um, you know, I'm a big uh, practitioner of jujitsu, really love it. And, uh, the, you know, the, one of the Gracies has, you know, uh, keep it playful, right? He's got that as one of his mantras. And, Jujitsu is like a martial art. You can get seriously hurt. You know, you you, you choke people, uh, people black out. It's it's pretty intense. Uh, and keep it playful. Keep it like so. If you can find a way to keep your business playful, your life playful, um, that's going to be huge. So that's at Law of Ambition at Red Wolf, and obviously all of that will be uh, in the show notes. Um, what you know? What does the future hold for you, man? Well, like, where wh- wh- what's the journey? What are, where can people get bought into? That's like, yo, we're we're heading here. This is going to be really cool. Okay, so we're going to end off with a bomb then. All right, so yeah. my goal for Red Wolf is we're just overall uh, in the next few years to hit $1 billion. The first $100 million is to take care of me and my family. The other $900 million is to start a sex trafficking rescue organization nonprofit. And what we're going to do is establish a compound essentially with hospitals, with doctors, with therapists to kind of help uh, sex trafficking victims that we're going to go and rescue with boots on the ground ourselves uh, and kind of put them through this whole rehabilitation cycle that allow them to get back to the civil world and feel normal again and feel okay. And the reason why I chose sex trafficking victims over anyone else 
or any other organization is because I hate the victim mentality. And a six-year-old little girl can't fight a six-foot-five, 300-pound guy, let alone six of them. And it's not her fault. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's a true victim. And for a 15-year-old little girl who got drugged and kidnapped and our government won't go overseas or spend the resources to go and rescue these people, I think someone has to step up and take care of that. And I think that's a perfect place for me to step in. I, again, I have experience conducting raids and stuff in the military. I wanted myself be boots on the ground. I'm going to hire veterans. I'm going to hire ex-military, special forces, skills, uh, any sort of competition, really to kind of go there and take that journey with me. So this entire thing is for that. And I think if I had to choose anything, why not that? So I have two little girls. So anything can happen. And as a parent, you can't always be there. But you just wish that the rest of the world would be able to help if you're not there or your child is able. And again, if your child is unable to, then someone would come and help. So I think if I do anything, that's what the plan is right now for myself and Redwood. Man, that's, that, that's powerful. And, you know, for those of you that are listening, it might seem like a somber note, but let me, let me kind of get you bought in here a little bit. So if, if you got the privilege to be listening to a podcast, much less this podcast, that means you're in a position of great strength great strength, right? We always tackle topics on here that, that are truly important. This is really, truly important stuff. And these are things that, you know, it's not popular, right? It's not popular. Everybody wants the Lambo. Everybody wants that. And everybody wants to cheer for it. But you know, often the, the topics that are the least popular or, you know, too raw to be often discussed are the most important. And this is one of those topics that if you're listening, you're truly in a position of strength. You're truly in a position of power uh, to actually be able to do something and contribute to something real, right? Because, you know, if um, you go buy another shirt, like that doesn't really change your life, right? You go buy a car, like, yeah, it's cool, but it doesn't really change your life. This is something that, you know, you mentioned you have two little girls. And, you know, if you just imagine as a six-year-old girl, right, to, to be put in that position, uh, that's, a, that's a real human, that's a real human's life. And um, so for those of you that might be thinking like, oh, that's a little too dark. Actually, that's, that's a call to action. That's a that's an opportunity for you to say, wow, you know what, this is actually, this is actually real. We're going to stand for something here. We're going to stand for it together. And uh, we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder to protect those that cannot protect themselves. And that's, that's extremely honorable. And that's something that we don't see enough of in uh, today's society. So I salute you, sir, for, uh, for that, that mission. And, um, you know, if there's anything I can do, obviously to contribute to your cause or listeners can do to contribute to the cause, uh, please reach out to Lewis at Law of Ambition on Instagram or at Red Wolf Entertainment. And, you know, reach out, lending a helping hand. It's not always about money. Sometimes it's about giving, right? It's about, again, we talked about packaging value. Well, pa- package the value of your heart, you know, of like, like even a, a positive message. I've, I've been in moments where I've been so low, man, and, and little tiny messages just pull me out of it. And you, you truly realize the power that you have as a human when you're able to make an impact in somebody else's life. So, this isn't like a, uh, hey, donate to charity call to action. This is a, hey, get behind this movement because we're, we're going to stand together on issues like this. And that's why we have this community because we, we are strong enough to admit, you know what, some things are so real that you almost don't want to think about. We're okay to acknowledge that. And we're also courageous enough to push through that resistance and say, you know what, just because I am in a position of comfort and I am in such a privileged position to choose to not care I'm going to choose to care. I'm going to choose to take some sort of action and to really contribute something of real value and change a life. Because once you see that, there's really no going back. That, that's the true power that we have as humans is the ability to impact others. So thank you, man. There, you know, there, like I said, there's, there's so much more we can unpack. Uh, what I like to do is, you know, let's set up another one in, in the near future here, unpack some more technical stuff. And for that one, maybe if you can give some specific IG tips on that one, uh, we'll leave that as kind of the icing on the cake for people to look forward to. And, you know, to kind of uh, wrap here, if you had one piece of advice, man, let's say you're an old man and it's kind of your last day on this great earth and you got your, your whole family, you got your kids, you got your loved ones, everybody around you. And you, know, you have one thing to impart. What would that be? That's a big one. The biggest thing is love yourself. Love everything about yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you don't do anything that truly be fulfillment for you, that's truly going to bring you happiness, you're going to 
just continue to destroy you directly and indirectly. And life is everything around life comes down to love and that self love. That's human. We're animals of the creatures of uh, survival. Like our instinct is to survive. Well, don't just survive, but be happy while you're here. Love yourself while you're here. In order to love another person, you have to love yourself. You can't fully love another person until you love yourself. So that's amazing. Lewis, thank you so much, brother. This has been a hard-hitting conversation, and I look forward to many more. You've been, you've been a dear friend and an amazing ally, and you're a phenomenal entrepreneur. Anything that I can do to support you in times of strength or times of weakness, reach out. The community is here for you as well, which I think makes it even more powerful that we're all in this together. just want to thank you for coming on, man. Uh, so this has been Hustles and Podcast, where art meets commerce. Today we had Lewis Garcia at Law of Ambition at Red Wolf Ant, and in this podcast, we dissect some heavy issues. We have fun too. We, you know, we go into technicals. We'll, we get, we, sh- we show you marketing. We show you how to run a better team. But at the end of the day, like we keep it human, right? Because you don't need more fluff. You don't need more of this fluff content. You need something that really connects. You need something that really delivers. And so we always try to bring that to you. As always, I'm your host, Mikhail Kuznetsov. You can find me on all socials at mbkbiz or at Hustle System. Please leave a review if you like the comments uh, and if you like the podcast. I will see you in uh, the next one. As a final note from you, sir, uh, do you have any book recommendations for the audience? And then we can wrap. Yeah, absolutely. So the book that I would definitely recommend is Extreme Ownership by Joe Willink. We hit on a lot of his strategies in the military, overall concept of core principles and squads, four laws of combat, and just ownership of oneself, one life, and leadership in all aspects of your life. And the second book is part two to that book, called The Dichotomy of Leadership, where he jumps further into it and kind of really explains uh, how to balance being the leader because I have two right choices, but which one is the right choice? And figuring that out. So I read them quite often. I've read them at least six times each. I kind of refer to them as almost my business and life Bible. I love it, brother. Thank you so much for hopping on and uh, see you in the next one. It really is a revolution. Listen, uh, we've never wavered in that position. I believe we should strive to do things in this spirit. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourselves and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Uh, I took the initiative in creating the internet. There have come with incredible rapidity, one electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted.